This is the show that brings to the forefront newsmakers, entertainers, and those making a difference in our lives and in our world. Each week is a new adventure with topics ranging from the most serious and cutting edge to the most lighthearted and entertaining. This is Taking Care of Business with Richard Solomon. Greetings, everyone. Richard Solomon and Antonio Sayant. This is a co-production of Taking Care of Business and Rocket Green Radio. Today, water. That's right, water and clean water. And to discuss clean water, we have Heather A. Kolar from Long Island. So uh, welcome to the show. And uh, in a, in a, we can't live without water. Most of our bodies are made out of water and cells can't function without water. So Absolutely. What do you do to provide clean water to all of us out there who need to drink and, and use clean water? Well, thank you so much for having me on the show today. Um, the first thing I do, Rich and Antonio, is actually help people understand what water is today. It's not, you know, we're in the 21st century. Water is not what it used to be. It's not what we have this ideal, pristine concept of water 200, 300 years ago before our modern day time. So I always ask people two questions to kind of help them get into the right framework because it's something we actually take for granted. And the first question I ask people is, is it actually a natural process to go anywhere, and I mean anywhere, on the whole planet in a developed country, turn on this thing we call a faucet or flush a toilet and water comes out on demand? For most of us, it's, it seems normal, and it is normal, but is it a natural phenomenon? And I ask people that question because the behind the scenes of making that happen, of going anywhere, I don't care if you're on the first floor or the 110th floor in one of the greatest skyscrapers in the country, it's not a natural phenomenon. And the behind the scenes, all the mechanics that make that happen, we're paying a very big price for that, which we're not really aware of. And that price is now coming to the forefront and affecting our health. The second question I ask people, and I've only got one answer, which I don't know if it was a really true answer, but the, the second question I ask people is, can you name one thing in your entire life that has not been touched by a chemical? And for most people, the answer is no. I can't name one thing in my entire life. So we ask that question so people begin to look at water differently. Does that make sense? Makes perfect. What was the one thing that you got the answer on, if I could ask? This guy said he had an air, an air sealed piece of a meteor. So I said, okay, I'll let you get a pass with that. You know, everyone in the room kind of ch- either chuckled or rolled their eyes, but, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. One out of a few thousand, however many people I've been speaking to, um, it's fine. It still doesn't really affect the percentage that much. So, you know, we take water for granted. We don't really understand um, what it is. And the bottom line is that water is a, a, a very tainted liquid that we can't live without these days. And we're not even talking about external contamination, right, environmental contamination. If there was no chemicals in the environment, every single water treatment facility across the country, across any developed country, unless you have well water, is treated with three chemicals. It's treated with chlorine. That's to kill the bacteria and viruses. Most people don't know that, but you smell it. It's treated with phosphoric acid. The phosphoric acid is to seal the pipe so that a lot of the lead doesn't leak into the water. But what about our pipes? What about the pipes inside of our body? We're not taking that out nine times out of ten. And then it's also um, treated with some type of lye because the water is so acidic. They put lye in the water to bring the pH up. And what what about fluoride? Yeah, fluoride is not everywhere, but it's in a lot of places. Um, And as you know, the argument about fluoride uh, for people who are more holistic um, is that it calcifies our pineal gland, which is our third eye, right? So this is the Mm -hmm. thing that connects us to the universe, and it's our center of wisdom. 
and connectivity in our genius. And so a lot of people feel very strongly about fluoride. It's a calcifying agent. You know, it was used in chemical warfare in in the past. And so some people feel very strongly about that, but it's not used everywhere. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty so- much the start of where we are because in order to know what you can do to clean your water, what your options are, you got to kind of know what the real situation is first and to think of it differently. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Where where does water come from? Because some, there's, sometimes there's lakes, sometimes there's artificial lakes or reservoirs, mm-hmm. sometimes it's rivers and streams, mm-hmm. sometimes it's underground aquifers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's like collected rain in like the Caribbean. They have these like like lime limestone roofs that that, yep. that are tilted, and then they they kind of collect water a little bit. Right. So, so- it, water comes from all those sources, um, and as we move further into the future and our waters um, become more and more recycled, should we say, they lose a lot of um, their electricity, they lose a lot of their natural properties, they evaporate, or water's just wasted. We're now even seeing a lot of desalination, which is now taking ocean water, taking the salt out of it and mixing it with our recycled water. There's a lot of recycling going on with water. It's actually um, in the major cities, it's the major communities, it's a process of um, what's commonly known as tap to toilet, where the water is going back to the water treatment facilities, being treated with chemicals, being filtered out, and then being prepared really for redistribution into the communities. How, how do you reinvigorate water if you're recycled, like let's say, for example, you're on the International Space Station and that water is totally being recycled, you know, because it's not like it's not like they can tap into anything. Uh, how do they reinvigorate that water? I'm not a full expert on that, but I have um, I have taken very close looks at how they do it in the water treatment facilities here on Earth. So I would think that it might be a little similar. Um, and it's basically, it's a, it's a physical, a physical uh, filtration process where they try to get out the physical particles, which is like a mesh, takes it down to um, a very small uh, size of filtration. And then it goes through a chemical treatment which is kind of like shocking the water with different chemicals, if that makes any sense, to kind of purify it as much as possible, treating it to a certain level, then adding more chemicals into it, then they add again the the chlorine, the phosphoric acid, and the lime, and then they redistribute it. So basically it's not really pure water. Oh, pure water. I don't know... You know, I'm hoping and praying that we still have some sources of pure water still available. Well... I remember going to the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and I, I sat in a restaurant, and they had bottled rainwater. Bottled rainwater, yes. That was pure, supposedly, what they say. And uh, I was a little hesitant, but I drank it. It tasted good. Right. It was really good. Right. It, and it tasted pure, like plain, like no, no chemicals. No I'll tell you else. a story, right? So we my last stories. experience with pure water. I was actually very, very privileged as a um, a young adult, and I went to Ghana. I always right. wanted to go to Africa, so I had a, a, a six-month exchange, student exchange experience in Ghana, and I was in this little tiny town um, where, you know, you took the state bus, which was like the big, you know, state bus, as far as you could take it, and then you took like this little uh, a little private bus, which was called a trotro, which looked like a little um, Volkswagen, the old-fashioned little little um, vans that they had. And then you took that as far as you could take it, and then you took a, a cab as far as you can take it, and someone you know drove you through the through the forest to this beach community. So it's completely so completely secluded, and um, it's so funny because it was my turn to go get water. So this was not plumbed. There was no plumbing in this entire village. So I have this five-gallon plastic um, container, 
And this young girl, she must have been about 10 years old, from the village was walking with me. We were, she was going to take me to get water. And um, it was this natural well that had just formed, I don't know when, and this is where everyone got their water from. And there was a frog floating in the water. Oh. If I can tell you this was the cleanest water I've ever had in my life, though. It was like that little bit of bacteria, whatever would have been in there. It may sound strange. I heard you go, whoa. <laughs> but that was the cleanest water I've ever had in my life. I didn't get sick. It tasted delicious. And uh, that's my pure water story. <laughs> so when I go to the supermarket, instead of getting either lemon or lime flavored water or lemongrass, I want frog flavored. <laughs> <laughs> want frog, right? A little bit of frog in the water, please. Exactly. So, I mean, and that was 20 years ago in some secluded, secluded village off the coast of West Africa. So that's about as close as I've, I've gotten to clean, clean water. Now, did you ever, yeah. did you have an opportunity to test that water for pH or? Oh, or, no, no, no. This was 20 years ago before I knew whatever I was going to do with my life. <laughs> I had no idea at that time. Well, well I'm thinking of rainwater. Um, yeah. To make, to make it into pure. Um, I, I believe they have to go through a lot of, uh, fil- you know, to filter it out uh, because um, I've, I've read, I read a lot of uh, articles telling me that that's the worst water because it's actually coming down and, and there's a lot of pollution in, in our air. There's so, so much kinda, pollution in our air. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, don't, don't you get like sulfuric acid in the water or something? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you know, you, you know, I think the the easiest um, the easiest example of how our water isn't pure, right? We would we we live in in the Northeast, and I have a lot of family that lives in upstate New York in the Catskills, you know, up in the mountains that are you know as probably as clean as we're going to get in our area. And well water used to be something that was favored, right? It was just like, wow, you have well water. The grounds are so contaminated um, from agriculture, from industry, from manufacturing, um, just from everyday living and runoff that well water is now um, in many, many situations more dangerous than tap water because it's not being shocked. It's not uh, being treated in any way. And, 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 you know, I'm one of these people where, you know, 15 years ago, it, it was very hard for me to have any kind of compassion or understanding of, you know, I was just very angry. Why is our world like this? Why are our natural resources um, in this state? But if you talk to anyone, no one's going to go, you know, raise a hand and say, I'm going to fetch on my water these days, right? So the convenience of going to our faucets and turning on our tap and having that, having that access to water, which we're so all dependent on, um, there's an exchange that we give for it. And until we have a vast majority of people raising their hands and saying, I'm going to give up my modern lifestyle and all of my conveniences, um, it's it's we have to begin to approach things differently, and I I fully believe that by helping people understand the state of water, then moving to state of the art water filtration, which we'll talk about, moving away from bottled water as an option, um, as a dependable option anyway, not just an emergency situation, and just you know taking incremental steps collectively. We can definitely improve our environment. We can improve our natural resources, and we can improve our health and protect our health. And that's really what people are concerned about. Well, one of the things that you mentioned with, in terms of agriculture, if we kind of shift to more organic farming, I assume that would make the water a lot more sustainable. Oh, absolutely, because um, the the pesticides that are used in modern agriculture are extremely carcinogenic. They are linked to all types of developmental cancer. The number one pesticide that this country uses is called atrazine, and atrazine is in nearly all water sources. Um, It's banned in a lot of other countries. We're one of the only countries that still uses it. And what people really need to understand and why organic is the better choice is because 
the pesticides are not just killing the bugs. They are infiltrating the seeds. When you have anything that's grown in an environment that is constantly being exposed, right, from seedlings, the seedlings, the soil, the water, everything contains these pesticides. So you can't wash this off in your fruit and vegetables. You know, I actually know people who have um, allergies because they're just so sensitive to even biting into a piece of fruit or vegetables that aren't organic. They're just highly sensitive. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting. I, I actually tell people, don't, don't you want to eat organic? And they're like, no, no, if it's got a peel, it's okay. I go, what do you think is inside when the pesticides exactly. leak into the ground and the tree or whatever it is, you know, draws all that pesticide water? I go, you don't think that the juice or what you're eating inside it's, is contaminated? It's at the seed level. <laughs> It's at the seed right. level, and now we have, you know, we have seed manufacturers, which are, you know, they're chemically-based companies. They're into, you know, splitting atoms and things like that. And um, they're now making, you know, Roundup-ready crops, which which means that now it's genetically modified seeds that already are resistant to the chemicals that are being sprayed on the crops. Wow. We only have a minute or so in this segment. Absolutely. Um, so th- at some point, you decided that you were going to come up with a solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I was the type of person, like many people who who are at least concerned and aware, just trying everything. You know, I was the first person with a pitcher filter. I was the first person buying bottled water. And, you know, I drink. I've been drinking over a gallon of water a day. I'm not even talking about, you know, eating healthy, but just drinking a gallon of water a day for my health and wanting to be healthy. But when it comes to choosing clean water, right, when we actually want to make that decision, it is so confusing. And there is virtually nowhere for people to go and and really understand this. So I got into this business um, because my mother was, an, an environmental commissioner, and we were actually asked to look at the city of Newark, New Jersey's water. And when we looked at that water, we were like, OMG. All right, speaking of OMG, we have to take a break. This is Richard Solomon, Antonio Sian. This is uh, Taking Care of Business and Rocket Green Radio with Heather A. Kolar. And we're going to be talking more about clean water. Keep it locked in. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hi, this is the Great Sordini. You're listening to Richard Solomon on 88.1 FM WCWP. Welcome back, everybody. Richard Solomon, Antonio Seant, and Heather A. Kolar. We're talking about clean water. Before the break, we were talking about uh, the, the, the study of Newark's water supply. Uh, could, could you continue, Heather, please? Yeah, sure. So... You know, back in 2008, 2009, um, my mom, Brenda Toilet, was asked to take a look at the state of water in Newark. And the reason that was um, requested is because there's been a decades, decades-long battle in Newark over whether to keep the water public or private. And so she being a grassroots community activist, we said, let's take a look at it. We'll do the research and and come back. And so we came back with two pieces of information. One, Newark's water was, in fact, better than the rest of the municipalities in New Jersey, very similar to New York City in that um, the water was located far away in a watershed that was in a natural environment. So Newark's water was better than the rest of New Jersey. The bad thing was that the bar is set so low when you start to really look at what is in our water. Um, And it's very different at the same time from where it is in the watershed to when it comes out the tap. Um, So that was was a real true awakening. Uh, And what actually happened this past August, and this is what we're really dealing with, right? This is another really critical situation that everyone is dealing with, is our infrastructure. 
Our infrastructure is so old and it costs so much money to repair our infrastructure that it's only done when there's a water main break and it's a Band-Aid, it's a patch. And I was speaking with um, someone who actually is a their their mechanical company and they actually do the repairs out here on Long Island and they said it costs more money to pave the roads back than it does to repair the pipes and the pipes repairing is expensive so that just gives you an idea it's billions and billions and billions of dollars so it's not going to happen what we discovered through that whole process is that we discovered that there was this huge issue, right, that water's not what we think it is. Um, and so then we said, well, what do we do? And that's when really the research began on, so what? where do we go from here? Uh, and that's when we realized it's not bottled water. It's not bottled water because, first of all, there's no regulation on the quality of water, right? There's no true regulation on what bottled water has to be. But more importantly, the plastic is so toxic and it's proven to leach so many chemicals into our body. Um, You know, for the single serve bottles, that's what you call PET plastic. It's for all juices, all liquid beverages. If you look at the bottom of your plastic bottle, you're going to see a little triangle with a number one in it. And basically, um, that's saying it's for single single use, right? Don't reuse it because it's known to leach all of these chemicals. It's PET plastic, leach all these chemicals into our systems, cause developmental um, disabilities, cause reproductive cancers. Um, so my question is, why use it at all? You know, and some people think that if you heat it up or if it gets cold, Right, if it freezes or it gets too hot in your car, that's when it's really bad. No, that's when it's just super accelerated. The leaching is super accelerated. And so, you know, in an emergency situation, um, when you just absolutely don't have access to water or you're in one of the uh places where you're you're suffering from a natural disaster, then yes, that that's when bottled water is a good temporary solution. But many people, you know, we have generations of people who are growing up just on bottled water. That's all they do is they use bottled water. Um, ironically, they don't use it to prepare their foods, and a lot of people think that a lot of people think that you can boil water and make it clean. The fact of the matter is you can only boil bacteria and viruses out of water. You can't boil lead out of water. If you try to boil lead out of water, the lead is actually going to get more condensed. It's a metal. Um, you know, and a lot of these other chemicals, especially like PCE and TCE, these are prevalent everywhere. The pharmaceuticals and the pesticides, they they either get more condensed as well or they combust, right? Heat makes chemical bonds combust, and who knows what they reform into. So that was some of the things we learned. Um, So the next step is then what do you do? You go to a filtration process. The problem with people trying to choose filtration, and I'm in the filtration business, so this is why I'm an expert in this area. Outside of the state of California, there is no regulation on performance for filtration products. So the three of us could get together, and and we're in this for the right reasons, but the three of us could get together and say, you know, this water business is a great business to get into. Uh, Let's make a filtration system and, and bring it to market. And we can say, we can make any claim we want to. Our filtration system is going to take this, this is going to take out fluoride, it's going to take out lead, it's going to last you five years, it's going to do all these different things. And they're outside of the state of California, it's a free fall. We can do it and not be held to any performance. And so this is what really breaks my heart is that I come across people who are suffering from cancer. Their doctor told them to get a system. And the system that they were sold is not performing. It doesn't have a, a, a good warranty or it's out of warranty. And these people have spent anywhere from 100 bucks to $5,000 on a water filtration system trying to protect themselves and it's it they're not they've bought a product that is not protecting them it's not doing what the product claimed to do and so 
what we discovered in our research, and this started, um, you know, my story is I was I was working in financial services, traveling around the country in business development and doing all these things uh, when, when all of this happened back in the late, you know, 2009 time. And um, so we started doing research on what the best solution was just purely for ourselves and to tell the people in our community. I was not financially invested in this at all. I didn't know I was actually going to end up being in this business. Um, and this one man, my man, who's now my manufacturing partner, this one company kept on coming up over and over again through Consumer Reports, through Silent Spring Institutes and the Harvard School of Public Health, the technology that they created, which is called Solid Carbon Block. And it's very, very specific. People have to get a solid carbon block filter at their kitchen sink, not on your house, not on your main in your house, you know, not in your refrigerator, not in a pitcher. You have to get solid carbon block filtration at your kitchen sink. Now, there's a couple of companies that offer solid carbon block, but where we are, where we shine is that we have the highest certification for contempt, for continuous and simultaneous contaminant reduction. What does that mean? First of all, it means that whatever the broadest range of coverage you can get for taking contaminants out, it's going to do it all at the same time. Why is that important? That's important because today it's lead, but tomorrow it might be microcystins, right, things that cause algae blooms. It might be bacteria. It might be mercury. It might be... Um, chloroform, who knows what it might be, right? You can get the broadest range of coverage because today it's this chemical that's in the news, but tomorrow it could be something different. We just don't know. I mentioned wow. certification, right? So yes. outside of California, California self-regulates. My goal is to get New York State to be the second state to self-regulate and then others to follow suit. In the meantime, there's an organization that's been around since 1944 called NSF. NSF is a not-for-profit entity. Their whole mission is to protect public health and the environment. So when you sign up and apply for their certification, you're saying we want your seal because it means something internationally for people who really care. A lot of commercial kitchens have NSF, a lot of gyms, right, all of these health Focus entities that are really serious about their business have products that are NSF certified. Um, by doing that, though, you turn yourself over to their standards. You sign up to be randomly audited, your manufacturing facilities, your marketing materials, everything randomly audited twice a year. Um, so it's a very grueling process to get NSF certification, but it gives peace of mind to your customers. And that's what attracted me when sure. I was just a customer. Well, that that actually makes sense if you think about it. I would want to know that I'm uh, drinking safe water yes. know, at a facility. You know, remember the uh, the story I told you uh, what happened uh, when we when we spoke earlier uh, last week, and there was a fire, mm-hmm. and, and my sister called me. Yes, and I went over to her apartment, and I turned on the uh, sink. Mm-hmm. And this is before I saw the fire department across the street mm-hmm. opening the fire hydrant. Mm-hmm. And it was coming out all brown. Mm-hmm. When I went to the sink in my sister's apartment, I turned, on, I turned on, you know, the water force. It came down the color brown for at least 15 minutes. Yep. All brown. Absolutely. And, that, and, that, and then it became clear. But here's the thing. How do I know that some of those chemicals or whatever that brown, whatever that... Whatever it is. Yeah, it it could be many things. It could be many things. So that, you know, kind of threw a red flag in the air, and I started thinking, well, is the pipe connected through there to our drinking water? Yeah, as far as infrastructure goes, yeah. So there's, you know, we have these main lines. 
And a lot of the times with um, hydrants and things like that, they're not run, they're not flushed. And so when, you, you know, you, you have backwash, you have water moving, water's going to always find its level, right? So when you turn on that hydrant and water flows out that way, it's also, it, it, there's a very high likelihood that, it, you know, you have, you have rust, you have iron, you mm-hmm. have metal sediments, you have gook, for lack of a better word, <laughs> just sitting there. And then when the water flushes out, you know, some of that stuff is going to go backwash. It's going to go into the main system and then be redistributed. You know, and that happens a lot of the time. Sometimes, you know, you, you'll you get notices, especially if there's a water main break or if there has to be a flushing, the water treatment facility has to do a flushing. You know, I know out here on Long Island, um, some of the towns send out notices that says your water is going to be brown, but it's safe to drink. I'm sorry. I'm not going to take that risk with my family. I don't ever want to drink brown water if I have a choice. And, you know, um, just on a personal level, people come to my house and once in a while the water will be brown. And I'm just like, we don't use the tap for anything but cleaning, right? Cleaning mm-hmm. solid surfaces. Anything that goes into our body comes out of this dedicated faucet. And so, um, you know, that's why I started H2O Cleanse. That's why, you know, when I sat back and I, my personal story is I went through a reorg um, with the financial services company I was with. The first time I went through it, it was actually really good for me. The second time I knew it was time to go. And I had um, developed and started researching for years now, right, because this is three years, three years later after um, we first did our initial research on the city of Newark. And I said, you know what, it's not just the city of Newark. It is everywhere. This is modern water. This is the age of, you know, the state of water in the 21st century. And what is it? This was before Flint. This was before... um you know, one of the places that has some of the highest lead levels in the country is Portland, Oregon, and people don't know that. They're like, you know, you think of Portland, you think of this pristine environment, but water on demand on your faucet is a huge phenomenon no, no matter where you go, and there's really only one way that we deliver it, and it's through infrastructure under the ground, old infrastructure, chemically treated. There's there's really no other way to do it at this point, or at least it, it hasn't been done. How effective are the run-of-the-mill water filter units that we buy in? Oh my goodness! Hardware stores. <clears throat> it, it's okay. Let me start by saying this: <laughs> a lot of them will have disclaimers that'll say, the, especially the more popular ones, the B's and the P's. Right? We'll just leave it at that. Um, They'll have disclaimers that say, you know, we do not claim to clean your water in any fashion. Um, Those are the the general ones. Then you'll have some that will have claims, and I say to them, uh, you may very well be able to take these contaminants out of the water, but you are the only one saying it. Then you have ones that will have some type of NSF certification, so they'll have the seal of NSF. What's NSF? It used to stand for National Sanitation Foundation, but uh, I believe back in the 70s they went international because, again, they've been around since 1944. Uh, Once they went international, they couldn't say International National Sanitation Foundation, so they just changed the company's name to NSF. Got it. Make sense? Yes. So I was, um, for instance, one of my clients, they had this beautiful Sub-Zero refrigerator, um, and they had the refrigerator, because that's what people always ask, what about my refrigerator filter? Well, you're, you're generally using bottled water and any other kind of filter for the most part, refrigerator filters, just for your drinking. What about the food that you cook? That's the first question, right? But they had this NSF seal. When I went to go look up, what they were actually certified for. They had all these contaminants listed because, again, outside of the state of California, it's a free fall. They had NSF certification only for chlorine. That was it. Wow. So they had bacteria, viruses, cysts, all of these things listed, lead, and they had no certification for that. At this point in time, Rich and Antonio, when we know for a fact Certain chemicals that are known to be in our water are directly linked 
to different types of diseases, when we know this is the case, there is no room in my book for taking these risks, especially when you don't have to. The other thing, which I mentioned a little bit in my story about the woman who was, you know, my my recent client who had cancer and went to go buy a system, is that these warranties, right, they are so inept. So you have a, uh, uh, for the for the pitcher filters, you usually get a 30-day warranty. For some of the whole house systems, which are really not a great, the, your first solution, they're a great backup, but you must get your filter at your kitchen sink, and there's a reason for that, which we can discuss. Um, you might get a year. Our products, our products come with a lifetime warranty. And my manufacturer has, my manufacturing partner has been around since 1970. So a lifetime warranty for a company that's been around for 48 years is a big deal. All right. Well, speaking of big deals, we're going to make a quick break here because that's a requirement. So we will be right back. Antonio Sayant, Richard Solomon, Heather A. Kolar, Taking Care of Business and Rocket Green Radio, the show that showcases eco-pioneers. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Anastasia Zotos from Athens, Greece, and we listen to Richard Solomon on our computers, and we love it. Richard Solomon, Rocket Green Radio, Antonio Sayant, Taking Care of Business, and Heather A. Kolar from H2O Cleanse, which is h2ocleanse.com. We've been talking about water, clean water, where water comes from, uh, what it's contaminated with. And so the natural question coming out of this uh, break is how do you actually clean the water? How do you filter it? And what's, what's the mechanism that makes it all happen? That's a great question. Um, and that's how I really, really am able to help people just get clean water. It's that simple. So the technology is called solid carbon block. My manufacturing partner is called MultiPure. They, they have, um, they're credited with creating this back in 1970. And so it's proprietary and it takes your water through a pressure-based system um, it, that goes either on top of your kitchen counter or below your sink if you own. A lot of people who own just get it installed under their kitchen sink, and it filters out your water. We have certification by NSF to remove 87 contaminants simultaneously that are known to be in our water and are known to make us sick. And so that's a lot of chemicals. That's a lot of chemicals to be taken out all at one time. Um, it's that simple. I don't know what else where, to say. Where does the bad stuff go? It gets held into the filter, and so we're also certified for that. So the NSF certification goes for a couple of things. One is the performance, the ability to simultaneously take out these contaminants all at once, and I could go over a massive list of them in a moment, but it's also certified uh, because it's a pressure-based system that um, when the water comes into the system, it's not going to explode. It's not going to have any harmful physical effect um, or cause risk to you. And Here's a question. Here's yeah. a question for you. So when they come and dispose of the stuff, where does it go? Does it get uh, landfilled? What, where? It, gets, it actually, it actually, it's actually pretty cool. Um, okay. The chemicals get locked into the filter, and then you just dispose of it as you normally would. And when it goes into the landfill, it continues to filter. Ah. It continues to filter. So, so this is the situation, right? So the filters are certified for a certain capacity, right? So the, uh, the, the most um, highest performance one that can take out the, because there's three different ones. Um, the original that was built in 1970, then there was 26 years later, uh, they made a big improvement with being able to take out arsenic-5, which is um, prevalent everywhere in the ground and because on Long Island and places where we you get our water from an aquifer under the ground, it's very important to have arsenic taken out. And then the latest one, another 20 years later, um, is bacteria, viruses, um, the chemical PF, the group of chemicals called uh, PFOAs and PFOSs. This is the fire foam 
um, contaminant that is extremely carcinogenic or the Teflon chemical that uh, shut down Hoosick Falls and out in the Hamptons, um, Hampton Bays, and then microcystins. So, you know, in 48 years, they've made three filters. So the, the best performance one, which is the one that just came out, uh, is good for 500 gallons. 500 gallons simultaneously, though, it still continues to take out lead for up to 10,000 gallons. We don't market that because we don't know what the chemical is that's going to be contaminating your water. But when we talk about what happens when you dispose it, the filter will continue to, to clean the environment, if that makes any sense. So how I don't really understand 500 gallons mm-hmm. in terms of usage. So how often would you have to change the filter? Okay, so I'll just preface that by saying it really depends on um, your usage and the source of your water, your water source, because everywhere, everywhere the water quality is different. It's all contaminated, but it's different, right? And so... Um, to give you an example, when I have clients that get the five gallon bottle delivery to their home, right? The five gallon, the big jug mm-hmm. of water, let's say they go through six of those a month, right? That's 30 gallons of water times 12. That's 360 gallons of water. So that gives you an idea of what 500 gallons of water could be. I have right. some people who it lasts a year. I have some people that last six months. It really depends on the size of your family and your usage. Right, but are you talking about drinking or are you talking about overall water usage, including things like showering? No, the, at, the, at the kitchen sink, it's all for... Drinking. Uh, and this is a great segue into a very important point to help people really understand. We get sick at our kitchen sink. We get sick from the water we put into our body, whether it's through our food or beverages. Okay, proven fact. The second fact is that the relationship between being able to get out the contaminants that make us sick, which ironically you cannot see, taste, or smell, they're extremely small, they're on a submicron level. The relationship between these getting these contaminants out and water pressure is inverse. So what does that mean? It means that you cannot have very high water pressure and get all of these chemicals out. So if you take a look at your house or your home, you can afford to slow the water pressure down to about a gallon a minute, right, at your kitchen sink. You're moving and shaking. You're making your coffee. You're making your food, your rice, your pasta, your vegetables. You're rinsing things off. It's okay. You cannot run a bath at a gallon a minute. You cannot flush your toilet at a gallon a minute. You cannot wash your clothes at a gallon a minute. The water comes into the house generally at about 60, you know, 60 gallons a minute. And so that's okay, though, because you can take certain things out at the main if that's really important to you, which I recommend. But you're going to take out lime scale, right? These are the things that cause buildup in appliances, film on our skin, hard stains in the shower, in the toilet. You can take those things out. You can take out chlorine, dirt, rust, sediment. That's it. Any company that's out there, and there's tons of them that make claims to take these things out at at the uh, main, they're not certified. They have. You cannot get NSF certification. For this because the relationship is inverse. It's scientific. And so the, if you wanted the best water on the planet, you can get a whole house system followed. Well, you actually get a drinking water system at, at your kitchen sink backed up by a whole house system. And then you're as covered as you can possibly be at this point in time. Do you sell both? Yes, we do. Right. What is the dynamics of the whole house system? Yeah, the whole house system is is a it's it's the best one on the planet if you ask me because it's about two and a half feet tall, stainless steel. It weighs two hundred pounds. It's not some rinky dink little, you know, plastic contraption that you you put between your pipes. It, it pipes in at the main. Um, it's good for a hundred thousand gallons of water, and it is um, you, you can get it to take out lime scale, which causes buildup. Um, a lot of people are dealing with um, copper pinholes, so there is 
um, a mechanism in the filter in the whole house system that can help mitigate those situations. And you could take out chlorine, dirt, rust, sediment. You can take very clean showers. Your appliances will last longer. We don't really get sick from the water on our skin. Our skin can get irritated, but the things that I'm mentioning can be taken out at the main. That will, you know, I've seen people with psoriasis or eczema, their skin really clear up um, once they're taking out these, you know, the chlorine, which is very, very um, harmful to our skin, especially people with sensitive skin. And it also acts as a pre-filter to um, your main your main faucet, your kitchen faucet. So your filters, if you have a pre-filter at the main, then when you go to take out, you know, these really harmful contaminants, uh, I open this up. So we have atrazine, asbestos, arsenic, cis, um, 2,4-D, which is Roundup, lead, heptachlor, right, heliocentrinols, all of these things. Um, the performance of the filter at your kitchen sink is going to be better because it's going to be pre-filtered. I, I've read somewhere that uh, water supplies tend to have prescription drug residue. That is a well. fact. Things like Prozac and yeah, blood pressure that's, pills. And, that's yeah. absolutely a fact for, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that we were told for so many years to flush our pills down the toilet. And uh, we don't like to realize it, but there's really only one water source, right? Water's going to move. Um, there's been lots of studies, uh, even by the U.S. Geological um, Office, that fish that are below a sewage um, deposit, so where the water comes out, the sewage comes out, where they're below where the sewage comes out, they're actually what you call intersex fish, which means that they have both organs, they have both reproductive organs, whereas the fish that are above where the sewage is dumped, um, they, uh, they're normal fish. So pharmaceuticals, just like plastics, act as estrogen mimickers. And so um, they change our chemistry. They change our chemistry. So we're actually certified. Um, it's a standard core 401 when it comes to water filtration to take out what they call emerging compounds. And this is a group of uh, pharmaceuticals um, and things like uh, bisphenol A, BPA, um, uh, the, one of the most um, uh, prominent pharmaceuticals in the water is heart medication called atenolol. I can't pronounce that. Is that like well, a blood pressure medicine or something? Yes, yeah. yes. So we, we take, we're certified for that, for DEET, um, for a whole bunch, naproxen, that's a leave, right? So for the most prominent pharmaceuticals that like everyone is taking, we're certified to take them out. So, so how often does the, the the main filter have to be changed? Kind of like help me conceptualize. So you have the whole house system, mm-hmm. and it's 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 a it's a unit, yes. and then it's it's filters inside the unit, or do you have to replace the whole unit after a hundred thousand? No, thank goodness. The, everything we made is is made for a lifetime. And I tell people this, like, I'm like, I'm so serious. Your house will blow up and your water filtration systems will still be there because they're made out of stainless steel and they're just amazing. Um, everything, and this was frustrated me too because the woman I was talking about earlier, she spent all thousands of dollars on this filtration system. So, you know, she, she wants me to help her. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not just trying to make money off you. If we can change the filters at least, you might have to change it more frequently, but the whole house, it's only going to do but so much. They told her she just needed to buy a new system that they can't change the filters out. So to answer your question, everything we have is made for filter changing. Okay. So on the whole house system, yes. how often should a, a, a typical family? Yeah, a typical family uses, you know, you got to really look at your water bill, but, you know, an average family of maybe four people uses about 50,000 gallons of water a year, so you know anywhere from eighteen months to two years, will the whole house filters last? Okay. Mm-hmm. And 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 do you need to call somebody in to change the filter? Or they could do it themselves. They could do it themselves. We you know locally we assist, but we have YouTube tutorials and we we make the systems very manageable and I, easy to use. I, I have to admit, I have had some filtration systems in the past 
that were quite complicated to use. Either they mm-hmm. the pressure was built up and you couldn't like you know take it apart. Yep. Or the angles in which the units are installed make it you know you have to get sort of on your back and then use your left hand and twist to the right. Very very <laughs> difficult and and. I, I don't know if it's done intentionally, but I know it's something we do intentionally to make it easier. In fact, our latest system, um, which is actually, it's, it's military grade filtration, um, the Aqualux, this one is literally, y- you release the pressure by just, um, really lifting the handle, twisting it off, popping the filter out and popping a new one in. Because one of the main issues people have is that if it's too hard to change the filter, they don't do it. And so I can't tell you how many people I come across, they're, they're so committed to getting clean water that they have everything. So I'm like, so what are you using? Oh, I have a whole house system. I have an under-the-sink system. I have a <laughs> refrigerator. I have bottled water. I have bottled water delivery. And it's just like none of them are really working together. They're not changing their filters, but they're frustrated. They don't know. They're spending way too much money, and they're not getting their desired outcome. You know, the other thing I'm really proud of working with this company is that um, at H2O Cleanse, things are so, so, so affordable. You know, they're, they're just so affordable. And um, our mission as a company is to help everyone get clean water. And so, you know, we can even offer people 0% financing, make it as easy as possible. You know, you can get water, the cleanest water you can get for less than a quarter a gallon. Less than a quarter a gallon. Wow. You know. Sounds good, yeah. Very good. So the other thing I know we said we wanted to do, our our main mission, right, besides helping people get clean water, which is definitely what we can do, is to foster the idea that it's easy to become an environmentalist. Right. Everybody, I feel like everywhere I go, people are now, because of all the crises in the news, people are now more ready than ever to talk about, well, what can we do? Which is just, it, it just makes me so happy and it drives me every day. Um, our main mission is to save our water because without water, there is no life, right? Water mm-hmm. is life, but water can also be extremely toxic. And this is why, you know, people look at bottled water differently now because what happens when water is stagnant? You know, it starts to grow things in it. Um, and so that's why you, you need to try to get the freshest water you can get. And the way you do that is by filtering it at the tap, right? That's why that's also very important. You filter it right before you're going to use it. But outside of that, there's so many other things we can do. And um, we definitely want to drive people to H2O cleanse.com, right? H2O is in oxygen, cleanse.com. But we also want to make it easy for people to be environmentalists. And so we have another website called the easyenvironmentalist.com. And that's the easyenvironmentalist with an S.com that has a free ebook where people can really go and see all of the wonderful things that you can do to become an environmentalist. And, and, and to proudly say, I'm an environmentalist and it's not so hard because most people care about the environment. They care about future generations. They want to be healthy. They want to live in a cleaner world. They know that something's a little crazy with how we're living today. Um, And it's just little simple things you can do that take the difficulty or, you know, this, this, almost impossible aura that's there that you got to be some type of scientist. I am not a scientist, right? Um, I did not pass, you know, calculus in school and chemistry was always very difficult for me, but I consider us practical scientists. It's like, does this make sense? Can I do this? Can I reduce plastic? Um, you know, can I make better choices when it comes to food? What can I do? So we we, we have a wonderful list of things you can do, um, organizations that you can easily become a part of to become an easy environmentalist and tell people you're environmentalist and help help them do the same. And that's it for the show. We're out of time. It's unbelievable. Heather A. Kolar, thank you for being with us. 